Welcome to Women Winning It Writing Podcast Show. I am your host, Chelsea McCoy, and this is the show where we talk about all things writing and all things editing. Welcome, y'all. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. We have got another awesome episode for y'all. Welcome to season two for Women Winning It Writing. For those of you that are listening for the very first time, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in and just taking some time out to learn about writing and editing. And, you know, we've got some amazing guests. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to one episode or multiple, but we've got some pretty outstanding women that we've talked to that are writers. Okay. So if this is your first episode, thank you so much for listening in. And if it's not, Thank you for being a continued listener. We definitely appreciate it. So for today's episode, we've got an amazing topic for you. Um, This is a young lady that um, we actually met via social media. Because see, y'all need to understand, social media is not just negative. There are some really good bonuses, some pluses to being on social media. And it's called networking. It's called connecting. And, you know, social media is really good for that. So if if there are those of you that are listening and you're wondering, how can you get connected to more writers? How can you get connected to people that are doing what you do? Get on social media, like just jump on, get in a group. You can search reading groups, writing groups, editing groups. There's so many different groups that are out there and um, you can search hashtags if you're not sure about groups. That's how you're going to connect and you can connect with some really good people. So one of these good people, she is a sweetheart. We have kind of played phone tag majority of the time, but when we do connect, it has just been amazing. And the awesome thing about networking and connecting is, you know, you learn from each other and you guys have heard me say it multiple times. There's enough food at the table for everybody to eat. And so I like to share my food and I like to collaborate with other people that like to share their food too. So today we're going to share some food y'all. We're going to share some editing food and I would love to introduce to you all Miss Katyra Poland to our show. She is the owner of Love for Words um, and she helps people edit and she also assists with people writing books as well. So without further ado, Katyra Poland, everyone, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Looking forward to it. Definitely. Well, we will not keep the listeners waiting. We are just going to dive right in. So you are a published author and you also have your own business. So please tell us a little bit about yourself and your books and just what you got going on. Yeah, so I am a Rochester, New York native. Uh, that's where I was born and raised. I started uh, writing in middle school. I started writing poetry. I wrote song lyrics. And um, when I was in middle school, I was um, selected as an honorable mention for a contest I entered. Um, one of the poems that I wrote was selected. So that really um, encouraged me to keep going with my writing and gave me the confidence to know I was good um, and good enough to be recognized for it. So um, I just kept with it. And um, also when I was in elementary school, I used to read to um, students who were younger than me. So uh, literacy and reading and writing and books were always a part of my life. And 
been very blessed to be able to continue that and now have my own editing company where I work with authors on their journeys. Um, but before I was an editor, I was an author. I was an author first. Um, I'm a nine-time published author. I've been in a few anthologies and published some of my own books as well. Uh, my debut book is Professionalism, What's That? And that covers um, a lot of the important things um, we need to know when we are new to you know the the workforce so i talk about resumes cover letters how to dress for success um, informational interviews professional development and again these are things that you know as newbies we may not know or we may not know a lot about so i wrote mm -hmm. the book as a one-on-one -on -one guide for um, new professionals who you know need to either brush up or be introduced to uh, what's expected of them um, when they enter the workforce okay. um, my favorite chapter from that book is code switching yeah. um, which is, <laughs> uh, for those who don't know it's basically it's basically um, when um, someone is expected to adapt who they are, what they sound like, what they look like, um, based on their environment, um, whether they're at work or who they're around um, or where they where they are. Mm -hmm. um, and we all have the code switch, but um, for um, other Black people like myself, we are expected to code switch a lot more and a lot more in depth than our white counterparts. So um, that ranges from straightening our hair to um, turning off our accents to, um, you know, not using ebonics and things like that. So I often talk about that in the book, um, just to bring the light that there's there are cons to code switching because we're so often taught that there are only pros. So I did put that chapter in there as well. So um, again, that professionals one-on-one is like a, you know, introduction for newbies to the work field. Um, so I was glad to be able to publish that and, um, you know, give some background knowledge to those who are seeking information. That's um, I've also published a book of poetry, which um, was a lot more personal. And I talked about, you know, some of the experiences that I've had. One of the poems is about colorism. Um, I touch on racism and domestic violence. Um, I published that in 2020, um, actually shortly before the world uh, shut down because mm -hmm. of the pandemic. In March of 2020, I had my first and only book signing that year. Oh, wow. And I was able to, yeah, I was able to read some of the uh, poems and you know be celebrated by my loved ones and colleagues so that was a great moment in my yeah. um, author career yeah. um, and it's like where, yeah so those are the um, you know those two books are the ones that I'll um, share about and then again I've been in some anthologies but I won't um, dive too much into that um, so that's a little bit of background of my writing and being an author um, and then in 20 17 I segued into being an editor so I have a friend who's a publisher and she was looking for an editor so I did a sample edit I'm like well I love to write I love words I can you know take a take a crack at it right. so she sent, me, she sent me a sample of her book and I did a sample edit and she loved it um she loved that it was a combination of, you know, making suggestions on how to improve, um, but also pointing out the strengths in her writing. And that is still something that I do um, as the lead editor and CEO of Love for Words um, is not, um, is making sure that I am 
offering words of encouragement and um, acknowledging what the author has done well. Um, it can be easy as an editor to go on with your red pen, um, but it takes a, a committed and dedicated editor to um, also maintain that balance of showing you, you know, what you could do better, mm-hmm. um, and also pointing out what you what you're already succeeding at, right. and. You know, that it comes with time and experience, and it's definitely something that sets me apart from other editors. Um, and I, you know, continue to do that in not only offering revisions, but posing questions. Right. So I, I might see something in there that I don't agree with. That doesn't mean I'm going to take it out just because I don't like it. Right, but right. I might ask you a question like, hey, what about if you said this? Or how do you think your reader is going to respond to this? So it's really a delicate balance between revisions, suggestions, questions, and, um, you know, bringing the strengths to the forefront. Um, so it's been a, a very rewarding journey for me. Mm-hmm. I primarily work with other Black authors, um, and, and that is certainly intentional. Right. Um, I have, have worked with um, clients who've worked with, you know, white editors who don't understand, you know, our culture, or they don't like our culture, or they don't care about our culture. So what happens is they end up um, judging the author instead of critiquing the manuscript Ooh, and as you can imagine that's yeah, never good yeah, yeah. you dropped a you dropped a whole nugget right there <laughs> you dropped an entire nugget yes it's it's different working with different um cultures because working with someone outside of your culture they may not understand you know you as the individual and let, and especially if you have, um, let's say your manuscript is urban fiction or exactly. you're using colloquial terms yep. or something that is familiar to the For black sure. culture or the Asian culture or the Latino culture. If you're not familiar with that, you're not yep. going to be the best. I, I don't believe that you would be yep. the best editor for that person. Right. Absolutely. So um, one of the reasons, you know, I became an editor was to eliminate that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wanted black authors to be able to find, you know, a black editor who, of course, has a solid um, handle of the English language, but also Uh a solid understanding of black culture. Correct. So that there are names like Katira instead of Catherine in the book. Right. I'm not telling you, oh, you should change this to Catherine. Exactly. Or using Ebonics, or if you're using African-American vernacular, that doesn't indicate that you're less intelligent. Um, It's another language. Correct. And it's it's not usually recognized in that way um it's often tied to level of intelligence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but i want to be a part of closing that gap and making sure that black authors can work with black editors who understand appreciate value and love the culture and are able to um be impartial when it comes to that cultural element of the manuscript love it well before before we go any further you brought up another point that was really good and I didn't want to miss it you were talking about um when you're reading through um you know a document or a manuscript you may see something and it doesn't mean you're going to take it out you know but you'll ask the question or you will call excuse me cause the writer the author to be provoked as to let's look at this you know let's you know let's examine this so 
In your definition, what is a quote unquote good editor or, you know, and does every writer need an editor before publishing or releasing their book? Um, so I would say a good editor is um, a professional who is patient, um, someone who is able to be objective um, when it comes to, you know, reading the manuscript. So, of course, as humans, we have our perspectives and we have our biases. But again, as an editor, you have to be able to step away from your uh, biases to see the manuscript um in and of itself without your lens to it so I think that's really important and I will also say an editor should be sensitive yeah it's not should. easy to hand over your manuscript to a stranger and wait for them to give you feedback mm-hmm. and give you critique um you know you're going to get something back that um is going to challenge you at least if you have a quality editor, you will. Even if it's very well written, that editor is going to have something that's going to take your uh, manuscript to the next level. So um, I would say that patience, objective. Um, what is the third one I said? Oh, patient, ob- patient, objective, and sensitive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then um, the, the second question can you repeat the second question? Oh, it was, does every writer do, in your in your opinion, does every writer need an editor before releasing their book? Because, you know, some people feel, some authors, excuse me, I'll be specific, they feel, oh, I don't need an editor. I can just go, you know, I can read over it myself. Or I can have my friend who was an English teacher or used to be an English teacher, they can go over it. I don't need to hire an editor. Yeah, I would highly encourage everyone to have a professional review it. So for those of you who don't know, there are different types and levels of editing. Yes. So if you have someone who is, you know, an English major or has a uh, strong handle on whatever language they're writing in, they may not need a developmental edit, which is really like the big picture edit where you're looking at the plot and does it make sense? And are you using language appropriate for the audience, things like that. Um, If they have a good handle on all of that and they've done a great job with that, they might just need a proofreader Mm -hmm. who basically just takes a look at it before it goes to publish. So I would highly encourage everyone to have a professional review their work and a professional, of course, if they trust in this credential, to say this is the type of editing you need. Mm -hmm. So you may not need the same edit as someone else, but you do need a second set of professional eyes to take a look at it. Um, and that's, and I'm not discouraging anyone from beta readers or having your friend who is an English major look at it, but that's not the same thing as having a professional look at it. So you should do that in addition to not in place of. Mm-hmm. See, so I need listeners. Did y'all hear that? Cause Katira said it, but I've said it too. <laughs> So, you know, maybe we should say it again in unison for the people in the back that missed it or they had their earbuds on and they chose not to listen. Please do not let your friend who's an English major or they're a teacher at school or college be your final editor. Yes, they know where commas and periods are supposed to go, of course. And yes, they know how to cross T's and dot I's. Yes, they do. However, Editing is not the same as right. proofreading. 
Right. And majority of English teachers or English majors, and this is not for everyone, so please oh. y'all don't send me hate mail when when, <laughs> when the podcast is up. Don't send Katyra hate mail. <laughs> but what we're trying to say is that, and not because we're editors either, but right. we're just we want you all to know that there's a difference, and right. we want you all as authors to be successful. And so when you pick up your book, excuse me, when you release your book and Uh people, the readers have the book in their hands, it is complete. It's concise. You know, things are where they're supposed to be and it's professionally finished. And that's what you want. You don't want a book that is going to look like you did this in 10 minutes and you rushed through it and you didn't, you know, check anything. Okay. Right. So right. thank, you, thank you for that, Katyra. Thank you for backing that up. Appreciate that. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, you're welcome. Right. The perfect, um, the perfect example is um, that there are different. Just like there's different editors, there are different doctors. So if you are having, you know, issues with um, your bones, you're not going to go to the eye doctor. Correct. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna go to a specialist. Correct. So it's the exact same thing. So, you know, you're not going to go to your friend who, I don't know, you know, watch doctor shows on TV and take their diagnosis. Now, you might take it into consideration because they have somewhat of a niche and they're, you know, familiar with it from their knowledge of Mm -hmm. watching this medical show. Mm -hmm. But that's not going to be the end. You're you're still going to call your doctor who studied this, who has the credential and the degree and the XYZ to give you the official diagnosis, so to speak. So you should do the exact same thing with your book. Love it. I love it. So which do you like better, editing or writing? Or is it kind of like a both? (laughs) I would say editing. The writing, writing is, it can be very challenging. Um, The writing itself is easy, but um, the difficulty comes in with your, with your inner voice and your inner thoughts. Mm -hmm. So you write something you put it on paper and then you critique it and you say, Oh, this isn't good. And then you get discouraged and then you stop writing <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then you don't yeah. publish and then you come back to it five years later or you don't go back to it all at all. Um, so for me, writing is definitely um, the more challenging, um, but I would probably say it's, mm, I would say it's equally rewarding as editing. Um, so I prefer the editing piece because, you know, I'm being presented with a, I'm being presented with a manuscript that's ready for me to edit versus I have to sit down, you know, and write the manuscript. Okay. And it's, it kind of gives you a direction. You you have a direction when you get a manuscript that needs to be edited mm-hmm. versus when you have a, you know, a notebook in front of you and nothing on the lines because you have to fill it in. <laughs> that, um, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I absolutely love um, the editing piece. And for me, you know, getting testimonials from my clients um, and being able to go to their book signings and see their books come to fruition and see them, you know, celebrated by their loved ones and their colleagues. Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, they're signing their books, they're reading mm-hmm. excerpts and talking about their journey um, and just being a part of that. I'm mm-hmm. um, encouraging them along the way. Yeah. Um, it's very, very special to me. And, you know, it's, it's one of the 
most rewarding parts of being an editor. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, every time you get to that last stage, the last revision is done. You're, you're in agreement with, you know, with all of the changes, you know, that have taken place and it's ready to upload. That is the most amazing feeling. And then, of course, when they get the test copy and they're just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, and you're right. It never it never gets old. And it's something that like, you know, you do. You love it. You absolutely love it. And um, I know for me to be part of that process is just it's so rewarding. It's so very, very rewarding. And so um, I definitely can't agree with you on that. Now, um, when it comes to your revisions and, you know, (laughs) the first thing clients want to know when you start talking to them about the editing process, how long is it going to take? Can we just do it one time? No, because you have your rough draft. That's the, you know, there's stages to editing. And, you know, can you just explain a little bit about the stages, not the the types of editing, but as far as when they give you when the client gives it to you for the very first time you know up to the rounds that have to take place up to the final draft yeah um again it it depends on the main script so again if you have somebody who is a strong writer already they may or may not need you know several rounds but um if someone does then you know you present the draft and the editor takes a look at it and they'll give you feedback um they'll ask questions they'll make revisions and suggestions and um you know give you the you know the feedback that you're looking for and then once you receive that back that's not the end um as the author it's your job to go back and address those questions, those suggestions, those recommendations, um, and follow up on um, what they have shared with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending on you know how quickly you respond, depending on how well you respond, it may or may not require another round. You know, before it gets to proofreading, and proofreading is the last stage. So um, that's not a means for anyone to be discouraged. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That's a that's actually proof of progress. Yeah. So each time you send it back, it should be better. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> fewer, uh, fewer mistakes or fewer uh, queries because mm-hmm. you are providing the information that your reader will need to know. I mean, right. one thing that, you know, I encourage to birth both authors and editors is that the end, the, the most important person in the editing uh, stage is the reader. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people miss out on that. Um, Yes, as the author, you're driving the message, you're putting it out there, but once it's published, it's not up to the editor to to buy, you know, a bunch of copies of the book. And it's up to you. I mean, you don't publish a book so that you can buy thousands of copies for yourself. Right, book Because you want to get it to a, you know, a target audience. Correct. So... When the editor poses questions or suggestions and recommendations, I would encourage the authors to keep your reader in mind. So I'm not asking you this question about why you mentioned what your character was wearing because I just want to know. I'm asking you because your reader will want to know. Mm -hmm. Why did you just tell us that she had on a a pink 
sweatshirt, jeans, and black sneakers. And then the next sentence, you start talking about something that happened to her in her childhood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How is that connecting? Right, right. You know, is there going to be a scene where she has mistaken identity because there was another woman wearing a similar outfit? Um, so you don't want to say things that don't give your readers enough detail. Gotcha. Uh, don't want to leave things out. So mm-hmm. that's just an example of the editors there to connect um, your manuscript to the readers and that both parties should definitely be keeping that in mind that's good um, when it comes to that the editing phase and that's that's good that's good and see this is really good stuff because this also helps to hopefully it helps um, authors understand why edit hiring an editor is also an investment because we know that's a question too it costs that much we got to do this it's this is not and this is what i explain to clients who that's the first thing they ask is why does it cost so much it's not like we're taking your manuscript and running it through an automated assembly line that you know a robot or some automated machine now yes programs like grammarly and things like that they can check for the proofreading and the basic stuff but when it comes to developmental or when it comes to um you know like you know the some examples that you were giving uh, uh, an automated system can't always pick that up and if they do it may not be accurate you know right. and it may not exactly. be geared toward exactly what you as the writer were intending to say or the message you're trying to get across so when you pay for an editor when you hire an editor you're not just hiring a red, like you said, a red ink pen to just go through and look at commas and mark out um, misspelled words. But you're looking for someone to give you not just feedback or suggestions, but also to look at it from a completely different perspective and give it to you in the way that the reader may receive or not receive what it is that you're writing so that it can be the best that you you know that you have so can you talk about that a little bit to the hiring process oh yes um so when you are working with an editor you ready for that stage um, the most important part is vetting just like with any other professional yeah so you should be asking for a sample edit or um testimonials or um, it's not a sample edit of your work, a sample of work that they've done for, you know, another client. So it is very important for authors to, you know, do your due diligence just like you would, would if you were looking for a doctor or some other professional who's going to be, you know, have an important role in your life and help you, you know, do better and be better and things like that. Um, so don't take it lightly. You know, you don't want to just, oh, I saw this post on Facebook. I'm just going to hire her. You need to have a conversation. You need to make sure that this person um, is familiar with your genre, interested in your genre, and actually likes your genre. Um, you want to hire somebody if you're writing sci-fi and this editor says, I hate sci-fi, that should be a red flag for you. Right, right. And you probably shouldn't hire that editor um, because... You know, that's just common sense. They're probably not going to be able to give you appropriate feedback because they they don't like the genre that you're writing. Um, So I definitely encourage all authors to vet their editor before you sign a contract. 
or exchanging money, um, make sure you have proof of their expertise and that they are, in fact, a good fit for you. And I would encourage the same for editors as well. Mm-hmm. Every client is not your target market. That's so true. you might you know, have a client call with someone or a consultation and, you know, if this person, if, you know, as a black female, if I'm on the phone with someone who's about to write a book about the resurgence or the, they, they want to, they want to revive KKK, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably not going to be the best editor for that. Right. And I have every right to decline that proposal or that project and say, you know, I'm not going to be the best editor for you. So I encourage editors to also practice your um, discretion. You know, it's your business. You can choose who you want to work with, which is one of the benefits of being an entrepreneur or freelancer. You know, if somebody doesn't align with your brand or the brand that you're pursuing, then you have a right to say no. So that works on both sides. It's not just the author vetting. But editors also have a responsibility to that because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to work with a client who um, ends up being a headache or, you know, you don't want to ignore those red flags as an author or an editor. Um, and then you you had mentioned, you know, some people up front are like, oh, this is really expensive or it costs a lot. Um, and just another uh, heads up for editors, the cheapest clients usually... I'm with the biggest headache. As ironic as, ironic as that is, you think you're giving me fifty dollars, you're not going to want too much from me. But I've learned that it's usually the people who want the discount or they want the cheap, they want it for the low. They're the ones who are hovering over you and they want you to respond to them at midnight. And um, why didn't you do this extra, um, you know, round? I gave you a hundred dollars for three hundred pages. You should have gone above and beyond and things like that. So again, um, that's a that's a heads up to my editors out there who are worried about turning clients down because they're um, they can't pay you what your rate is. Um, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're if you you know if you're giving them a price and what they have to offer is well below, but you take them on as a client anyway. It usually doesn't end well. So stick to your guns because you're. Your ideal client will be able and willing to pay whatever you're charging. So don't sell yourself short by settling because you want the client um, and ignore the value that you're bringing because you're charging for your value. Right, exactly. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Before we close out, is there any last words that you would like to give to the listeners? whether it's editing, whether it's about your books, just anything. Yes. So I recently registered the National Black Authors Day. um, And it's the first celebration is going to be May 4th of this year. So I'm really excited um, about having this tradition and this legacy start this year. And every year, you know, Black authors will have this day, you know, from now until forever to you know, um, celebrate themselves and celebrate others. So for those of you who are listening and are interested in being part of the National Black Authors Day, um, you can go to my website and send me a message or you can email me at poland at love the number four words dot com. And I would love for you to participate 
Um, you don't have to be in Rochester. Um, it's open to people across the globe. Some of the ways you can participate in National Black Authors Day, um, you can, you know, do a video where you're reading an excerpt from a Black author's book. Um, you can, you know, do a video where you're shouting out a Black author. You can post an event in your, wherever you live, um, in your, in your city or town that spotlights Black authors or one Black author. Um, you can also, you know, tag Black authors online or on social media and tell them how much you appreciate them. So it's open for everyone to celebrate that, either, you know, where you live or virtually. So I would love to hear from those of you who uh, would like to partake in the first, you know, um, National Black Authors Day. Oh, cool. now that's, I like that. And you said that was May 2nd? May 4th. May 4th, I'm sorry. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, listeners, y'all heard it here first. We will make sure to get all of this information from Katyra and we will have it on the platform along with her contact info, which you can reach out to her on her website, www.loveforwords.com. And that's love, the number four words with an S.com. So Katyra, thank you so much for being on our show today. You have just dropped some huge nuggets about editing. Um, I don't know if this, I don't know if if editing is my favorite or writing. I think it might be a little bit of both. (laughs) But I'm so grateful that you stopped by for a little bit. And as always, thank you so much. Listeners, we will have all this on the platform. And until next time, keep winning at writing. Everyone be blessed.